It's always a delight. You guys don't get to always see this, but I love to come to the worship practices when nobody's here and you can just center down and be with the Lord and listen to uh, them, them just being themselves and talking about the Lord and then singing praises to him. And it's so fun uh, to be in this place. And I know we always look professional. We never make any mistakes up here, right? But we, we totally... Uh, just in these moments, it's just so beautiful to see the Lord's new mercies and to say, sing praises to him. I just, it's a delight. So thank you for worshiping the Lord with me here today. As we open the word today, I'm going to stay in a really basic verse that has so much life change in it that I think it's, it has profound and it has been spoken on probably more than any other verse I've ever seen. You see people with it in football games underneath their eyes. You see this verse projected on billboards, and it's just this verse. But we're going to look at John 3.16, and we're going to take some time to sit on this verse here today. But before we get there, have you ever played a board game a new board game, one that you'd never played before. And you get to the table, and everybody has no clue how to play the game. Has anybody ever gotten to one of these situations? There's so many different personalities that take place when a board game is brought out. Some people, they can't stand board games, so they're already irritated. There are others who are just delighted it's board game season. It's like a whole season for them. I'm, it's all year round. But there are others that just overcomplicate the whole thing. And there is one aspect of board games, specifically, that is so funny to me because somebody has to declare the rules, right? Now, you have the booklet, but if you're like me, a typical guy, why would you ever read the rules? You just you throw those away right away. But if you've ever looked at a board game rules, there are specific rules for every game, right? Trying to play certain games like Settlers of Catan or something, when you pull out this game, it doesn't just make sense. These little trinkets they are supposed to move around or Monopoly, who would ever use a shoe or a top hat? I mean, what in the world, right? But as you open up this board game, what's funny to me is when you declare that there are rules, there's somebody who's a rule keeper. Is anybody a rule keeper? that you have to follow the rules. It's okay, you can raise it, I understand. I, I understand where you're coming from. So there's the person that's the rule keeper, and they're gonna overcomplicate everything, right? They're gonna make sure we follow it detail by detail. And that's a good thing, you need rule keepers. We need these people in here. I am, I'm a rule keeper, so I'm trying to defend myself a little bit. But there's also those other people that they don't want to read the rules. They're already done with the rules when you try to declare the rules. And what do they say? Something like, let's just get started and we'll figure it out as we go, right? Anybody play with those people? The rule keepers can't stand this person. This person, they, they are opposite ends of the spectrum. They can't handle each other. There's always a lot of argument. Or there's the person, as soon as, all right, let's read the rules. There's that person's like, you know what? I'm going to just go check the fridge for leftovers. I quit. They're already done, right? There's that person. Then there's that delightful person. They're probably on their phone at this point, or iPad, or computer. Maybe it's under the table. Maybe they're trying to covertly do it. But they're extremely distracted, right? We all know this person. And the rules have all been declared. And what does that person say? What, what did you just say? 
What are the rules? Who, who goes first? They don't know anything, so you have to re-describe everything to this person, right? So we all know that you probably fit in one of those boxes. I hope nobody in here is a combination of all those. That would be, I don't want to play board games with you if you're all of those people. But it would be hilarious to see how all of us play board games, because I think each one of us has a different way of playing. And then there's house rules. Has anybody ever dealt with house rules when you play somebody else's board game? It's like, no, 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 that's not how that goes, right? Did anybody else get frustrated there? Well, I say all this humorously because I think, if I'm honest, we sometimes act like this in church. And we talk about God with our rules that we expect everybody to keep. We expect everybody to come into this place and to know what to do. Church is one of those places that it is so hard to feel comfortable, right? You're just like, can I fit in here? Will I like these people? Will they like me? Is everybody judging me? Or is, nobody, is anybody noticing me? You know, there's all those thoughts that go on in our mind. We've overcomplicated it. And I, today, I want us to sigh a little bit, but I also want us to breathe in deep and then exhale and say, it's good to be here. And no one here, my prayer is that no one here will judge you. My heart is that we will understand that yes, God does have rules, but it's delightful to follow God's rules. It's good to know the rules. It's good to hear the story even in a simple way one more time. Because God's rules he, he wants you to delight in him, delight in worship. He wants you to see the beauty all around and see it as a gift from him. He wants you to see the mystery in the world and for you to be inspired by his goodness. And my hope is that you will have greater joy today in seeing that God loves you. So I want to read John three sixteen and 17 today. And if you need a Bible, we have some spares that are in the back, They're the New Living Translation, or just open your app or whatever you've got. It's going to be really similar to this. But John 3, 16 through 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but he have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Amen? God's word should challenge us and impress us and inspire us. And I also want to read from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3 today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. 
Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I want us to go back to John again, and I want us to pause through this. I think of the joy, and the, the, but also the difficulty of the cross that Jesus endured, we see in Hebrews. And we see that he is the reason we celebrate here today. And so I want to grab three illustrations that will help us connect with the passage in John 3. And we're going to take this bit by bit. But John 3, verse 16, it starts off in the first part. For this is how God loved the world. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. But as we look at the first one, I think of an egg. And you, this is an Easter egg, obviously. This one, this one would not be good hard-boiled or scrambled. But um, I, I think of the egg, and I think of simplicity in new life. When you see an egg, when you see that this, this chicken has given us this egg, there's so much wonder in how in the world this chicken can produce this thing every single day if it's a good laying chicken. But I got to thinking about the new life that is, that is shown to us because of an egg. And I got to thinking about God's love for us. And you know, we make, we make the egg into something entirely different. I don't know how the Easter bunny had eggs. I don't know how that works. But we make this season about candy and somehow a, a magical bunny that has eggs. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. But if we look and we are reminded of what happens... There's so much wonder, there's so much miracle that takes place in new life. When I think of God's love for us, when I think of how he sent himself to this world for us, it was because of his great love. How did he send himself? How did he love us? He sent himself. So when you think that your life is in trouble or desperate, remember that God so loved the world. He looked at us and he saw the sin that was within us. He saw our, the death that we were headed towards. He saw that we chased our own ways, that we pursued our own habits and our own things. Yet God felt compassion and sent his one and only son so that we might have life. And he genuinely loves you and I. So the story of resurrection is the greatest love story of all. And it is, in fact, the, the best love story of all time. That God would love us so much that he would send his one and only son. Secondly, I began to think of another symbol that really... It's a hard one for me. And this thing falls apart all the time, and I kind of like it that way. This crown of thorns, I remember making it, and it's a really miserable job. I don't know if you've ever tried to make a crown of thorns. You know, you read different history things about the crown of thorns, and 
It's kind of an assumed thing that they just it looked like a crown, but there's even some writing that perhaps it was just a ball of thorns. And, you know, they gave Jesus a scepter and they were, as they mocked him and as they beat him and as they spit in his face and as they whipped him and they put on a robe on his flesh that was already beaten to a pulp and then they took the robe off, which would have caused agony beyond agony. They found a crown not to, not to make him into a king, but to mock him. And so when I get poked a little bit when I make this crown or when I pick it up, I'm reminded every year how awful this thing is. And as they put it on his head, they didn't place it as a king would have it placed on their head. It can be assumed that it would have been set and then the scepter would have probably hit it on. So it would stick. When they crucified my Lord, it should break our hearts that the King of kings and Lord of lords and one who had loved people and had given his life for people, that he was willing to endure He didn't fight back. He knew that his purpose was heading towards the cross. And you might be thinking, whoa, Keith, this got real serious way too fast. I don't know if I'm ready for this. That's too gruesome. Why did that happen? Why didn't somebody stop it? The madness of a crucifixion. Without the crucifixion, without our Lord's death on the cross, there is no resurrection. Without our Lord being crucified on the cross, sin wins. You are stuck with your sin. So because he was willing to endure the cross, as the second part says, He gave his one and only son. Jesus knew that it was leading towards the cross. Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6 says, But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You see, God loved you so much that he was willing to let Jesus come, to send Jesus, his one and only son, to satisfy the debt that we owed, that I owed, that you owed. Sin was cleansed. His blood paid the price. His blood bought us garments of white so that we can be pure before a holy God. Pure love paid the price for you and I. May we never forget this. Now, I want to take us to a picture that has been extremely memorable for me. These hands uh, went to a camp, um, and it was painted by Tani's youth pastor's wife, and it was her husband's hands, and it's, a, it's, it's been in our home for a while, pretty much our whole marriage. 
and it's powerful, it's wonderful, but it causes me to pause every time I look at them. When I see these hands, I'm reminded of the empty tomb. When I see these hands, I'm reminded of a story, specifically, that has just captivated me. So in John chapter 20, if you want to turn there, I'm going to look at these words that we saw the boys so, so wonderfully read through today, but I, I want us to pause again. John chapter 20, verses 26 through 29. Jesus has risen from the dead at this point. All of Christianity is hinging on Jesus rising from the dead. If, if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, if resurrection service does not happen... It means he was still in the grave, as Kenny was saying in the worship time. So when we get to this story, people have begun to see Jesus, but one person had not seen Jesus yet. And maybe you're like this person. I feel bad for Thomas. Does anybody else feel a little bad for Thomas? We don't just call him Thomas. He had one time where he had doubt, and now it's his whole title. Doubting Thomas, like, oh, nice to meet you. My name's Doubting Keith. I mean, come on, that just sounds wonderful. Like, wow, this guy's never going to believe anything I say. But when we get to this story, it, I want you to, if you can see these hands, I want you to look at them as I read what happens here. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And what did he say? As he said every time, peace be with you. <laughs> then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. How does Thomas respond? My Lord and my God. I see some weeping from Thomas in that moment. He needed to see, and Jesus did come so that he could see him. But he goes on to say, as only Jesus could, you believe because you have seen me, Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So as you look at these hands, we're reminded of the empty tomb. As we consider the price that was paid for us on the cross, then we recognize, as Thomas did, when we say, my Lord and my God, I believe. Could you say that with me? My Lord and my God, I believe. Now I want you to believe it. My Lord and my God, I believe. That is powerful. And if you really mean it, it'll transform you. This resurrection day is a day of joy and beauty and wonderful songs and, and pretty flowers and all kinds of wonderful, happy things. But if you miss Jesus in the midst of all of the other, you've missed everything. This day isn't about 
seeing other people. This is about seeing Jesus for perhaps the first time. Letting Jesus see you for the first time. It's like you're looking into the Lord's eyes and saying, my Lord and my God, I believe. And if you will say that, it will transform everything. My hope and my, my deepest hope is that we wouldn't worry about what anyone else sees of us, but that if it's time for you to declare, I want to be right with God, I want a relationship with Jesus, I want him to be Lord in my life, that you'd be willing to stand and we could celebrate and come forward and we could pray over you. And if you're, too, if you're timid, that's okay. Grab somebody else and say, we're going up there together. But I would love today that if we could celebrate seeing people, even if you want to say to the Lord for the first time again, I have forgotten and now I remember that you are my Lord and my God and I want to worship you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end. And I would love to pray for you. We can pray for you any week, but it would be so delightful to pray for you up front here today. I want to read Luke 24, verses 41 through 47. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. As I read these words, the fulfillment of Jesus coming back and speaking to them, as the boys read and as I've repeated, Jesus opened their minds to the scriptures. He opened their hearts to himself. And they knew that forgiveness was available to all of those who repent. And they went out and told everyone. I don't know if you've ever watched the series called The Chosen, but there's a delightful scene with the woman at the well when she is told by Jesus all of her sins and all of her struggles and all the people that she had married and all the things that she had done that nobody should have known, especially not a Jew from out of town. He had to be the Christ. And when he shared with her and offered her forgiveness and she realized that he was the Lord, just like Thomas and said, my Lord and my God, she understood the story of the chosen captivates me when it says she is just astounded. She is overwhelmed. She is full of joy to the nth degree. And she, <laughs> she says, I'm going to tell everyone. May we be like that. I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. 
because he saved me. And he wants to save you. And if you, you know him already, praise God a little bit sweeter today. Praise God for all of the things that he has washed you from. So I said those rules of that board game at the very beginning. This isn't like that. We're not signing up for something. I'm not asking you to come into some complicated new game. I don't want to make church into some activity for you. I want you to know that we want you to be a part of the family. We want you here because we believe God loves you. We want you to be involved because we want to see God light up your eyes, light up your mind so that you can show the love of Christ to others. My hope is that you're pointed towards worship and new life here today. So I want you to know that Pastor Kenny and myself, Keith, that we are available, but others would be delighted to pray with you as well. We are a family. And if you and when we do, we have one more song, right? We do? Two more songs? Good, that's better. <laughs> if you want to make your way to the front and you want to be prayed for, I would love to worship the Lord beside you or pray with you or just stand with you. But it would be delightful to see all of us, even if you don't need to make a decision today, to come forward and worship the Lord up front. I know there's social distancing. I know there's masks. I know there's all kinds of complication. Can we just for a moment say, I think our God is worth our worship. But if you feel comfortable, coming forward will give you space if you just need people to give you space. But I would be delighted to see us raising hands and worshiping the Lord with all that's within us today. Let me pray over us, and then we're going to sing some more. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for that you defeated sin and death and the power of the enemy. We thank you that you wore the crown, and now all of that is gone. You are now in glory you rose from the dead, you walked among us, and you challenged us to go and tell everyone. May we say in our hearts today, my Lord and my God, I believe, and I want to give you my everything, that we would be a people full of worship, that as we we pause in these moments that we would come before you, Lord, and we would say, God, you have, you have my everything. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I say, God, use me for your glory. May we come together and worship you in spirit and in truth here today. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.